Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers who deposit $5 or more can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 back in a bonus bet. I was looking at NBA futures this morning. The Golden State Warriors are plus 5,500 right now on DraftKings to win the title. So if you believe in them, that's a big number. And Denver, I have Denver as my championship favorite. And they're still the second best odds on DraftKings right now at plus 450. So lots of good NBA bets to look at over the course of the end of the season. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code HOOPS. New customers can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 if your first bet loses. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code HOOPS. That's H-O-O-P-S. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no sweat bet per new customer issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash promos for deposit, wagering, and eligibility restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope all of you guys are having a great week. I know I say sometimes like we're going to do a quick show and then I end up rambling for 40, 45 minutes, but today's actually going to be a quick show because I have somewhere I got to be in about 20 minutes. All we're going to do is we're going to hit King's Nuggets. And then after that, I'm going to hit some mailbag questions from last night's show. Big win for the Kings. We're relying on their defense late in the game. And the Deer and Fox with a bunch of superstar plays down the stretch. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel. 
mean a lot to me if you guys would take a second to scroll down and hit that subscribe button. Don't forget about our podcast feed, wherever you get your podcasts under Hoops Tonight. It's also really helpful for us if you leave a rating and a review on that front. Don't forget about my Twitter feed at underscore Jason LT. That's where I put film threads, like the film thread I did this morning on the Kings Nuggets game. And then also that's where I put show announcements. And last but not least, keep dropping mailbag questions in the YouTube comments so we can keep hitting them throughout the season. All right, let's talk some basketball. So those of you guys who remember when we talked Kings Suns the other night, I talked a lot about Sacramento's defensive potential and the fact that like, you know, are they ever going to be some top tier defense? No, because NBA history tells us to have a top tier defense you have to have a strong defensive front line. And what that means is like your four and your five typically need to be long athletes that can do a good job of cleaning up messes on the back line. It's kind of like a foundational part of defense. But the second chunk of that is perimeter speed, perimeter athleticism, the ability to cover ground in short order. And like those are the two biggest elements. And there are some teams that struggle with both. They tend to be the terrible defenses around the league, but and if you have both, you have the opportunity to be truly exceptional on defense. Teams like the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? Or like the Oklahoma City Thunder or another team. Great combination of perimeter speed and athleticism with guys like Chet Holmgren on the back line that can kind of clean things up. Uh, but like when you have one of the, those two things, you should still be able to put out a really good defense. Like if you're a team like the Lakers that doesn't have a ton of perimeter speed and athleticism, but has a ton of length and size on the back line, good defensive players on the back line, they should be a better defense, right? Same thing with the team like the Sacramento Kings. They may not have much in the way of length on the back line between Sabonis and Harrison Barnes, but they have a ton of perimeter speed. And last night, just their ability to double-team Nikola Jokic in the post or double-team or guard uh, uh, screen and roll actions three-on-two and to rotate out of it without giving up high-quality shots on the back end, was basically the story of this game. I said in that show after the uh, Suns game, they were 12-3 and after that game, when they allow fewer than 110 points. I gave you guys all the breakdowns of the different kind of scoring thresholds and how well the Kings play. And after last night, once again, now they're 13-3 and when they hold opponents, opponents below 110 points. It is a huge part of what makes the Kings successful. You need to you have advantages when you go on the basketball court. And if you only use your advantage that's fun for you, whether that's playing offense or running up and down the floor transition or whatever, you're leaving meat on the bone. Your perimeter athleticism is a weapon you can use to be a, a, a successful defense. And they used it in a big way against the Nuggets last night. Now, obviously, Nuggets down their backcourt, and there were several sequences where they were uh, doubling and recovering, but it's a little different chasing a Colin Gillespie off of the three-point line, chasing a Christian Brown off the three-point line, chasing a Peyton Watson off the three-point line, right? And you even saw that with, with uh, Aaron Gordon doing a lot more off the bounce, trying to make stuff happen, and Michael Porter Jr. being more aggressive just simply because they're trying to pick up the slack of their two backcourt partners, the guys that they're running most of these dribble handoffs for, those guys just weren't, weren't in the game, right? And so that's certainly a, a part of it there. But Nikola Jokic is the best player in the world. And these are players off of him that have the ability to capitalize on that. And they just did a much, much better job than they've been doing of late of engaging themselves on the perimeter. And then from there, the big matchup on the other side of the floor, the Nuggets had an absolute hell of a time trying to contain De'Aaron Fox at the point of attack. And one of the consistent things that the... uh 
that the Kings were doing was they were bringing Michael Porter Jr.'s man into the action. Now, one time it shouldn't happen. It was a complete accident where there was a uh, a missed three and the Kings go up the floor and it's not even really a transition push, but for whatever reason, Michael Porter Jr. just picks up De'Aaron Fox. And this was the play where the Kings took the lead late. Michael Porter Jr. is just guarding De'Aaron Fox in a transition cross match that probably should not have been a transition cross match. That means guys are sprinting back in, back in transition and just grabbing the nearest player rather than grabbing their matchup. That's what ends up causing a cross match. And on this possession, De'Aaron Fox has the right side of the floor against Michael Porter Jr., the Kings just clear the side out, and he just takes Michael Porter Jr. off the bounce and makes a left-handed layup off the glass. No help on the weak side. Just not good defense, right? So then the final two possessions that De'Aaron Fox scores, they try. They should start with Aaron Gordon, and when Aaron Gordon's on De'Aaron Fox, the Kings bring up uh, uh, Michael Porter Jr. into the action, and Michael Porter Jr. attempts to hedge. This is a big thing that a lot of teams do when teams bring a weak defender into a ball screen action. Rather than switching to give that uh, defensive player a huge mismatch, right, or blitzing and giving up a rotation, what they'll do is they'll hedge and recover. What that means is the guy's going to come out above the level of the screen and basically cut off the driving lane. The idea there is now Darren Fox has to take kind of a banana route away from the basket to get around the hedge. That buys time for the on-ball defender to get around to the other side and meet De'Aaron Fox on the other side of the screen. In that situation, there can sometimes be an opening where the screener slips out, and then Michael Porter Jr. might have to close out on, on whoever the screener is, and we've seen Denver have some issues with that in the past. But in this case, it never even got to that point because Aaron Gordon, even though there was a hedge waiting, was jumping way up on the high side of the screen and just giving De'Aaron Fox a driving lane. On this play, the specific one I'm talking about, so Kings go up one off of the De'Aaron Fox layup on Michael Porter Jr. They go down the other end. I think the very next possession was a Michael Porter Jr. catch-and-shoot three off of a Jokic double team that he just missed. And they go they go back down again. Uh, Aaron Gordon's guarding Fox. They set the screen with MPJ's man. MPJ hedges out on the right side of the floor, taking away that drive to the right. But Aaron Gordon sits way up on De'Aaron Fox's right-hand side. Now, you can envision if you've got the the hedger on the right-hand side and the on-ball guy on the right-hand side, what's happening for De'Aaron Fox, one of the fastest left-handed players in the world? Boom, right down in the lane. Nicole Jokic is, is sitting at the rim, but De'Aaron Fox just stops right in front of the rim and pops in a floater. Now they're up by three. <clears throat> then after that, uh, uh, the the Nuggets call a timeout and they run a sequence for Reggie Jackson coming off of an action with Jokic and uh, like literally De'Aaron Fox makes this unbelievable defensive play where he lunges in and swipes the ball for he picks him clean goes down the other end and dunks it now they're up by five and then after Peyton Watson misses a, a little transition layup we end up in the exact same configuration except for this time Peyton Watson is on De'Aaron Fox and De'Aaron Fox is looking to go to the left this time, Michael Porter Jr. hedges on the left, but Peyton Watson sits way up on his left-hand side, just creating an easy driving lane for De'Aaron Fox, who just goes to the right, kind of snakes across the middle of the lane. Sabonis throws like a nice little pick on, on Jokic so that he can't help, and then he sinks a little easy bank shot off the glass. And, you know, it's funny because, like, De'Aaron Fox has gone up a huge level this year in his scoring volume and efficient, uh, his efficiency is not taking too much of a hand. I think he's still around 57% true shooting, which is really nice. He's added a 
pull-up three-point shot that has been really reliable for him this year. He's added like a little bit of a back-to-the-basket game. Like Darren Fox has taken a leap before our eyes, and in my opinion, like he's he's encroaching on that superstar tier in a real way. But you know, I talk about this a lot on the show, like. You know, the the really impressive shots, the really high-level shot-making stuff, that is only a small part of what makes a superstar a superstar. Like, Darren Fox hit a, like, a in-and-out cross back between his legs at the top of the key in the middle of the fourth quarter on Colin Gillespie. Colin Gillespie was, like, damn near out of the frame as he did the pullback dribble and hit the three at the top of the key. It was disgusting. It was a nasty move. But, like, that's just one small part of being a star. That hopefully only makes up three or four possessions for you in a game. Ideally, what a superstar does is what Jokic does, which is just surgical precision finding of the easy shots that take place in the game. And what was interesting about that is De'Aaron Fox won the game. There was a his superstar play was the steal, him lunging into the lane and swiping or lunging in front of Reggie Jackson and swiping the ball free and going down the other way for a dunk. All of those other three shots, they were just really smart, easy basketball. Oh. Michael Porter Jr. is going to guard me here in transition. I'm going right by his ass, and I'm getting into the basket, right? Oh, Aaron Gordon, really good defender, but he's just giving me a lane to the right-hand side. Okay, I look there. How about I just hit the Jets for a second, stop short before I get to Jokic, make this little floater in the lane. Beautiful, right? When uh, when they tried the same thing with Peyton Watson and the right-handed drive, driving lane is open, uses it to get into the lane, likes to get back to his strong hand, right? And he also knows that he has Peyton Watson trailing him and snaking the ball screen back over to the other side is a great way to create additional separation between you and the on-ball defender. Gets into the lane, gets to his sweet spot with that little left-handed bank shot and makes it. Nothing exceptional there. No highlight plays from De'Aaron Fox on the offensive end there, aside from, like I said, the steal and dunk. That, to me, is that next phase of superstardom. The guys that are consistently productive and efficient, it is a combination of high-level shot making, but two-thirds of it or more is typically locating and identifying the easy opportunities that are there in the basketball game. Really, really impressive performance from De'Aaron Fox. Just in general, really, really impressive performance from the Sacramento Kings, especially on the defensive end of the floor. The mold is there. Like I said, it's not so much about what the Kings can do on the high, at the high end of their potential. It's about can they string together an extended stretch for a month and a half of really good defense that they can lean back on when they get to the later phases of the postseason. To me, that's a, uh, like I said, it's a, it's a check that it's a box that you have to check. If you want to be serious about making a late playoff run, we're going to be keeping an eye on their defense here down the stretch. Um, on the Nuggets front, really the the two things that I, I would draw attention to are, again, the, the bad defense down the stretch, just some poor configurations that didn't make a ton of sense. Like, So to, to put it simply, if I know that there's a hedge, I don't need to deny the ball screen because even if he drives into the ball screen, he's driving right into Michael Porter Jr., or has to take a banana route around him, right? So my one job there is not to cut off that screening angle. It's to meet De'Aaron Fox on the other side after he goes around Michael Porter Jr. You can actually go underneath the pick in that situation because you don't have to worry about De'Aaron Fox rising up and taking a pull-up jump shot because he's running right into Michael Porter Jr. So in both of those cases, what Peyton Watson and Aaron Gordon should have done is actually sat back a little bit 
knowing that MPJ is there in the hedge. And if De'Aaron Fox goes in the direction of the screen, you duck under the pick and meet him on the other side. If he doesn't use the screen and he comes at you, you're sitting there waiting for him. And so some poor defensive configuration down the stretch, uh, some some switches and, and transition cross matches that they probably didn't need to give up. Uh, a lot. Of, another thing that was causing some problems for the Nuggets in this game was the pocket pass to, to Demonis Sabonis, where they weren't tagging the roller because they were staying home. Some of that's what the Kings do to you. They'll put, you know, Kevin Herter in one corner and Keegan Murray in the other, and it's like those are the guys you need to tag the roller with. And there's like this hesitancy to leave a good shooter in the corner to tag the roller. But if Jokic is going to be up at the level of the screen, you have no choice but to have somebody in the lane because that pocket pass is going to hit Sabonis. And he's just going to have too much of a head of steam. And Sabonis got a bunch of easy baskets on the roll where the backside uh, defense wasn't there. And maybe you have to rotate to that corner shooter rather than, again, anything's better than a wide open dunk for a Sabonis going down the lane or when he has too much. I mean, he, Sabonis is not as big as Jokic, but he's strong enough that if he gets a little bit of an angle, he can kind of bump him and get enough of an angle to finish a shot. And then lastly, I, I thought it was another example of something I've talked about all year, which is like the Nuggets are my championship favorite. They have the best player in the world, but just like anybody else, they can't really afford an injury to one of their top five players because when you go from KCP and Jamal Murray to Colin Gillespie or Reggie Jackson uh, and Christian Brown, it's just a big drop-off in offensive skill. And you can really see that in some of those double-team situations with Jokic where those pa- uh, pop-around passes that are taking place on the weak side, they're just a little bit slow. They're not as sharp. The uh, You need a really good look for the guy to take a shot instead of like a slightly contested look, which you know that Jamal Murray and KCP will rise up and knock down. They both are better at the one-dribble pull-up stuff. Like Just going, that, going down a level in weak side offense makes it so that you can throw multiple bodies at Jokic and get away with it. And so it's just something to keep an eye on. Like just, just like anybody else, the Nuggets can't afford a significant injury. All right, before we get out of here, let's get to these mailbag questions. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home services marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, 
Come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. It's something I've always been a big believer in. When you try to take projects on yourself, you usually don't know what you're doing. You usually end up making mistakes, and it can be a big headache. And so not only can a professional from Angie get the job done more efficiently, but they also are people that you can support within your community as local businesses. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job is done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects easy. Consider Angie your hub for all your home improvement needs. They can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that will tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and in your area. And the app is free and easy to use. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. First question. With Rui improving with more minutes this season, what would your five-man lineup be for the Lakers? I like Rui offensively alongside the starters, but defensively the team looks mismatched on positions one through three, with Reeves being forced to be the point of attack defender, D'Lo being a bad defender overall, and Rui struggling to guard quicker wings. Love the show, and also who's your favorite under-25 player to watch this season? Um, Okay, so when it comes to the Lakers, everything's got to be matchup dependent because they don't have a traditional, you know, three and D type of guy on the wing that they can throw at the other team's best player at the opening tip. And he can coherently function in the offense. Everything has to be matchup dependent. And so there will be matchups where it's like, okay, we can't get away with Rui at the three because we're playing, you know, Dallas and we need someone to throw at Kyrie Irving or we're playing golden state. We need someone to throw at Steph Curry or playing Sacramento. We need someone to throw at Darren Fox. We need a quicker guard that can defend on the perimeter. Okay. Now that might be Max Christie, right? Or this is a bigger lineup that uh, doesn't run a ton of off-ball screening action, and that three spot is going to be more in a help-and-recover situation. Okay, Rui makes a ton of sense here. Or like, okay, this particular team, we're really struggling with their defense. We need to find a way to space them out a little bit a little bit better, and we feel like on the offensive end of the floor, maybe we can do more switching and just kind of contain the basketball. Okay, maybe Spencer Dinwiddie is our option here at the three. It, it all has to be matchup-based, and that's where it's, it, a lot of it comes down to Darvin Ham and what specifically scares me on that front is like he just has a default option to go to Torian Prince and we saw that at the end of the first half yesterday against the Jazz when he takes Rui out of the game goes to Torian at the four alongside three guards and the Lakers immediately give up a run so do I trust Darvin to kind of toe that line properly no not really uh, but you know <laughs> it, it, it it's it's something that he's gonna have to figure out to, to for lack of a better term and honestly like this is where the Jared Vanderbilt injury is just going to be the biggest swing factor for the Lakers this year. I don't think they have any chance to win the title unless uh, unless they can get Jared Vanderbilt back into the lineup and moving as well as he was before the injury. Uh, don't have a ton of time, so on the under-25 player to watch this season, I'll say for me personally, Anthony Edwards. He's just been a, a ton of fun to uh, to watch as he's kind of figured out and uh, not just how to play in this league at his position, but also just some of the confidence stuff that we're seeing from him. Hi, Jason. Greetings from Australia. You have the best NBA content. Keep it up. Thank you for the kind words. Who is your MVP if you had a vote as of now? I feel like Giannis is getting overlooked this season due to the coaching change and distractions going on at the Bucks. He's on pace to be the first player to average over 30 points per game on 60% field goals while also averaging over one steal in block per game. So I saw the uh I saw the straw poll the other day that had Jokic way in the lead. And for the record, I don't think 
there's a gap there. I think that Giannis and, and Nikola Jokic have been the two best players in the regular season, and I don't think there's a wrong answer either way. I would probably lean Giannis because I think Giannis has been cleaning up more messes this year, and I think Giannis has brought more consistent effort this year than Nikola Jokic. And I haven't really thought too much about MVP this year, but I see your point, and I would probably lean slightly toward Giannis, but I do think that Jokic is every bit as much in that equation. And there's one thing I saw on Twitter yesterday that I do think is true, which is like someone said something along the lines of like the media uh, or Jokic has the media and a stronghold. And there's some truth there. Like I love Nikola Jokic. I think he's the best player in the world by like a comfortable margin. I think he's significantly better at basketball than Giannis Antetokounmpo personally, even though even though I think Giannis may be having a better regular season. Um, but there's no doubt that in large part because a, a large portion of the media relies on advanced metrics, like these catch-all metrics, like they actually believe that to be like a significant element in these kinds of discussions. I personally disagree, but they do. And so between that and just a lot of the uh, a lot of the the momentum that was behind Jokic when he was kind of rising in 2019 2020 there's just a ton of media support for Nikola Jokic it's just a fact and it's very possible that he kind of racks up a, a, an unprecedented amount of MVPs because of that he's just he's just the perfect type of guy to sway the modern MVP voter but to me it's kind of a toss up lean slightly towards Giannis at this point in time next question who do you think is the perfect starting lineup you could build around Wemby? Kind of like how Denver built for Jokic. So Wemby's a little bit on the thin side, so I kind of lean towards a big, strong forward, similar to what I've been talking about for the Thunder as well. So just imagine a Aaron Gordon, Laurie Markkinen type of archetype at the four. And then from there, I think having uh, legitimate ball handling on the perimeter that can put Wemby into spots as a screen and pop screen and roll guy is huge. And so, for instance, like, you know, I'm not the biggest Trey Young fan in the world, but like it actually does make some sense to partner him in San Antonio v with Victor Wembanyama. Trey's still relatively young. He's the ideal screen and roll partner. Uh, you can imagine in a switching scheme, he would just be able to beat those a lot easier than the pick and roll partners that Trey Young has had over the years. And then if I wanted to craft a an achievable defensive role for Trey Young, it would be in a system where Victor Wembanyama is on the back line. So that's where I'd lean in that direction. Next question, what do you think was the key to the transformation of the Timberwolves this season, given that their personnel was similar to last season? How did Chris Finch unlock the Rudy and Cat pairing? So a couple of different things. Continuity is a big part of it, just sticking with the same lineup for a lot, uh, a long time. The Wolves were actually kind of picking up steam towards the end of last season. I thought they were one of the most impressive teams over the final third on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, now, not all of that was with both bigs on the floor, but there was a lot of that in there as well. Then I thought they gave a good fight to the Lakers in the play-in game. Then they, what, uh, who'd they kick the shit out of? It was the Thunder, right? And then they had an impressive showing against the Nuggets. So I think some of this did start last year, but then like, I think the second big piece of it that, that just needs to be acknowledged is Anthony Edwards is just getting better. Anthony Edwards is a future superstar that is on the rise in the league. And he's just a lot better than he was at this point in the season last year. And that goes a long way towards elevating the ceiling of this Timberwolves team. And I, I think just in general, there's been a really good commitment to like a championship level commitment to the details from day one of training camp. A few more. Um, hey, Jason, you may have already answered this in the past, but do you see yourself getting to a production point where you'll have some of these plays you speak about playing in the corner while you talk about them? And when you talk about these stats, having a top five list pop up, et cetera, I love the show, by the way, haven't learned so much. I mean, completely and completely changed how much or how I watch basketball in the best way. Again, thank you so much for the kind words and for supporting the show. I have told my superiors many times that that is a goal of mine to have 
uh, more uh, play and uh, animations on the screen, graphics, things along those lines. We are working on it. It's just the volume's growing really fast and we're still figuring out some of that stuff behind the scenes. I promise you it will eventually happen. We just kind of have to figure it out. There is a, to give you an idea, to have plays on the screen, it's a lot more labor intensive than you would think. And so we are going to figure that out. It's just taking some time. And again, every time I have an opportunity to kind of pitch that to the higher ups, I do so. So in time, again, like I'm sure this show will look markedly different from a production standpoint when we get, you know, a few years into the future and we'll see when we get there. Next question. Hey, Jason, love your videos. I was wondering if you could explain the Warriors struggles with maintaining leads throughout the season. I'm not sure if this is a Warriors specific issue as it happens a lot around the league, but seems especially prevalent with Golden State throughout the season. How or why is it that Golden State can never seem to protect the lead? Thank you for all you do and keep up the great work. Again, thanks for supporting the show. I really, really appreciate you guys. And as I've said, with all the negativity that I see in the comments, sometimes like this stuff just outweighs it every single time. And, and every single time I, I, I read through the comments, it's always a overwhelmingly positive experience because of people like you. Uh, so what's interesting is the eye test would tell you like, oh, when Steph is, uh, can't make hero shots, they just don't have a, a another option they can go to to score. But the reality is, is Steph has been making so many of the hero shots that they've still been pretty good offensively. They've been they've been okay offensively in the clutch. They've been okay offensively in the uh, in the half court setting, according to cleaning the glass or hovering around that like ten mark in both of those areas. But um, in general, fourth quarter offense, I think they're like sixth, which is pretty good. So like the offense actually by, by points per possession has been pretty solid. It's been the defense. They're the very worst fourth quarter defense in the league. Like they're just the very worst. They give up over 120 points per 100 possessions. And so for whatever reason, just like we saw last night against the Clippers, their point of attack defense falls apart. They end up in rotation and they just can't get stops when it matters. That, that's that been the big one that has been very clearly uh, evident in the numbers as we um, um, as we get to the end of these games. All right, two more and then we're out of here. Uh, this was just a funny comment from a Celtics fan. Wax the net by 50 and not a peep as expected. I literally just covered the last two Celtics wins against the Hawks and against the Heat. I didn't cover the Nets because the Nets are garbage and they just traded away some guys at the deadline. They're just not very good anymore. So, uh, yeah, like I wouldn't cover the Celtics beating the Nets for the same reason. I wouldn't cover the Celtics beating the Pistons. But I did just we've done uh, just a just a shit ton of Celtics content over the last week. And so I encourage you Celtics fans to go back and look through the channel and you'll see it there if you look. All right, last question. What's the win-loss record when Steph is pushing and playing hero ball and putting up over 30 shots? Curious because it seems like they lose more than they win in those situations. Seems Steph is trying to get clutch player of the year. So uh, I looked earlier. I think they're 0-3 when he takes at least 30 shots. They're 3-8 and when he takes 24 or more shots. But I don't think that has anything to do with Steph Curry and chasing clutch player of the year or anything like that. Like th They need him to shoot. They do not have reliable offense down the stretch of these games. Like Kaminga is, it, 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 you know, Kaminga's got the sky's the limit for Kaminga, but he, he's not a half court surgeon yet. Andrew Wiggins is super inconsistent. Clay Thompson is super inconsistent. Baron Pizemski's a rookie. They don't have a guy that they can really go to as a secondary option. It's the main reason why I don't think this Warriors team has like a, a, a big championship opportunity. They have a small championship opportunity. They're a long shot, just like the Lakers, but I don't view them as like a significant championship threat because they lack that secondary shot creation. And um, again, like to me, I, I, I think Steph 
putting up a ton of shots is the formula. And as I've talked about uh, in the in the uh, earlier mailbag question, it's not the offensive end that's been the problem. They've been a good offense, despite the fact that they don't have secondary shot creation because Steph is still one of the very best offensive players in the league. To me, it comes down to that defensive end of the floor. All right, guys, that is all I have for today. As always, I sincerely appreciate you guys for supporting the show. We'll be back, we'll be back tomorrow for uh, 45 minutes to an hour with the Nerd Sesh guys, and then we'll get out of here for the weekend. And then we have some special stuff planned for the All-Star break. I will see you guys tomorrow. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.